listening to She's a Powerhouse. My name is Holly Calloway, and I'm here to share with you some stories of ordinary women who have done some extraordinary things in hopes that you'll get comfortable being uncomfortable, be okay with pushing your boundaries, and do some extraordinary things yourself. All right, welcome back to another episode of She's a Powerhouse. Today we have with us Lakshmi, who has the Embark Company, and she is going to tell us about this nonprofit that is based in Tampa, Florida. And I'm so excited to get to know her. We're trying something new where I'm going to get to know the guest as y'all get to know the guest. Because lately it's been a lot of like me telling you all about them and them not feeling like they have a whole lot left to say. (laughs) So I'm going to discover as you discover, and I'm actually really excited about this concept. So Lakshmi, Tell us about, let's start with, tell us about Embark from, because from the little bit I've read, I'm really excited about what your nonprofit does. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I run an organization called Embark Collective. And so we're a nonprofit that helps early stage startups grow. And um, we are based in Tampa, Florida, not the place where you would say like, that is the startup headquarters that I need to to flock to in order to build my company. Um, And that's the entire point. We wanted to make sure that we were able to create the support infrastructure that really passionate people who wanted to solve globally relevant problems. Um, We want to make sure that they had the right support to actually be able to scale their company and not have to move to Silicon Valley or New York City in order to do that. Um, And so the organization itself has has a couple of tenants to it. Uh, We are first and, and, and most focused on providing individualized coaching to startups that are a part of Embark Collective. And so what that means is my staff is made up of these really amazing startup operators that have been there before in the exact place that these startups have have been. And they've got some success to their name. They didn't try and it didn't work out. And now they're doing this. Um, They tried, they figured out a formula that worked and now are able to coach companies um, as part of Embark Collective. And we as a nonprofit, we're not, we don't have any ownership in the companies that we work with. So as a coaching staff, we're never telling you what to do. We're not telling you how to run your business. We're just asking questions and forcing you as the founder to reflect on, um, you know, what is the right solution for me and allowing you to find that solution within yourself. Uh, the second thing that we do is we we provide connectivity to customers, to capital, and to talent. Talent being a really key part when you don't have this robust startup ecosystem that already exists in Tampa, though it's growing here. Um, and so we want to make sure that that people have amazing uh, folks to bring on to their teams. And then the last piece is density. Um, when you are in a place like ours where um, the region is really spread out and there isn't a central landing zone to find other people who are in the startup universe. Um, that's what we built. We built a 32,000 square foot facility in downtown Tampa where the 80 startups that we support can find each other and the investors who are coming to our market, the customers who are in our market, they can all be here too. I just had a meeting with the retired 
um, general of special operations command. Um, and he was excited to meet and learn about new technologies that were being built in Tampa. Um, those are the types of places or people that we're excited to bring into our space um, and see that there is this thriving community of startup operators that exists in all places like Florida. Um, so that's pretty exciting for us. That is absolutely amazing. And I can tell already that I just adore you. I adore you. I love, I love everything you stand for in your entire company. If we don't work together when we're all done with this podcast, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. Um, tell me how what your path was like. How did you get to a place where you knew that there needed to be another space that a startup was the best or not a startup, sorry, a nonprofit was the best option for you? And what's your background in in business building? Absolutely. Um you know, this world of supporting startups, it's sort of meta. I've created a startup to help startups. So it takes a special type of um, absurd person to be able to, to think like, yes, that's the career path I want. But it, it's not an established, well-known uh, opportunity. So I definitely didn't start out this way. Um, and And many years ago, I didn't have this aspiration of uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna build Embark Collective at some point in my career. Uh, my career has been all in brand building, and so I, I used to work in advertising. I worked at Leo Burnett in Chicago. That's where I'm from. Um, and then I, after I got my MBA, I went and worked in the publishing industry. I worked in the in, for a very large magazine company, um, and then I went into brand strategy. Um, being a consultant for other for other major corporations, and at that point, I really burned out of corporate life. It's you. It's hard to wake up in the, every day and think, "Gosh, I really hope somebody reads my slides." Um, mm -hmm. You know, and it's just to know that you're killing yourself on a deck that somebody's going to put on a shelf after that meeting and never look at again. You are you you are caught. You have to reflect. And, um, and, and really think about like, what is the impact that I want to be making on the world? And at that point I was living in Chicago, which is, which is my hometown. And they had an organization that just launched called 1871, which is the year of the Chicago fire. And in a lot of ways, 1871 is, is the, is sort of the, the OG of what Embark Collective is today. It was the the first of its type of nonprofit startup hub, and it now supports nearly 500 companies um, in Chicago. So I joined that team in 2014, and for four years I worked for the CEO um, as as his right hand person, and we had so much fun growing the organization, both physically as well as programmatically, um, and. And my whole journey to Tampa, because I never intended to leave Chicago. Uh, that's home. That's where my mom lives. Um, and, and, you know, I was, I was happy there. Uh, but I had, well, at 1871, I met the owner of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he, his name is Jeff Finnick. And he was um, investing in, in a really amazing real estate development in Tampa that would double the, the size of downtown Tampa. Wow. And um, that project is called Water Street Tampa. And it's the first well and lead certified district in the world. Amazing. And he told me about it. And he said, we're building a great place. Now we need great people. 
And if you look at any of the studies around where job creation happens, all of the net new job creation is coming from the startup world and, and from new, new businesses. And so a lot, that's why a lot of communities focus on how do we attract really great and talented people to build new businesses in our community. Mm-hmm. And, and Tampa was no different. They, Jeff knew that there had to be um, a, a talent component and saw what we were doing at 1871 with building this really amazing startup hub serving so many companies and reached out to me seemingly out of the blue from my perspective. It was a, a, almost a year after we had met for the first time. And he said, hey, would you consider moving to Tampa to build this hub for us? And that was the start of it. So I had this opportunity to build something from scratch um, that I, where I was able to learn all of the lessons of what I had gotten from the last four years at 1871. So I knew what worked. I knew the mistakes we had made. And it allowed me to really think about um, a very a thoughtful approach to supporting startups in a way that was worked for them and um, really helped uh, create the impact that a community wanted to. So, um, yeah, so I didn't, I sort of think I I didn't choose this. It sort of chose me, um, which is fun. I love that. And I love when things sort of naturally, um, naturally flow is the word I want. I love when things just like happen right place, right time, but for the right people. Right. So like anybody else in that space may not have taken that opportunity, but you had the background and you knew what you were doing and you knew that you were a good fit and he knew that you were a good fit. And so now here you are in Tampa doing this amazing thing with these, with these people. Right. So it's, even though it chose you, it chose the right person at the right time. You know what I mean? And you were, you were prepared for it because of the choices you'd made up until that moment. It's funny. Well, it's funny you say that because in retrospect, as I'm retelling the story, I'm like, yes, mood, right person, right time, all of those things. In the moment, uh, I, the first conversation I had with Jeff, and this is probably very um, representative of a conversation many women would have if they were approached with a once in a lifetime operation uh, opportunity like this. I said, well, I don't know if I am right and ready to be the CEO. Mm-hmm. I really see myself as more of a behind the scenes person. So I mm-hmm. think I would make a really good chief operating officer for somebody who was much more public facing, forward facing, had more credibility to their name. And it was actually him that had to convince me that I was qualified to be the CEO versus me sort of saying like, please pick me as the CEO, which I'm sure many women do inadvertently. It might not be in that same um, level of, of opportunity, but I think on an everyday basis, sort of saying like, I'm not the leader, I'm the second, the person right behind the leader. Um, and then the other thing, and, and, and this is just where I was in life at that time, um, he approached me about this opportunity as I was navigating a family crisis. My father had a long-term disease, uh, pulmonary fibrosis, and um, you know it, it was terminal. So we knew we knew the end was coming. Um, and he reached out to me. I think in September, my father passed away in November, um, and I was trying to navigate like, should I move? my dad's dying, my family's like in crisis mode. Um, And I actually finally accepted the job 
um, the, the, I guess the, the saving grace of a, of a terminal illness is like, you know, when the end is near. And so I accepted the job the day before my father passed away. Um, so I could tell him that I was doing that and he could be really proud of that moment. Who knows if he heard it or not, but, um, and, uh, he, and, and then I decided like uh, the obvious thing to do is, um, one month after your father passes away, why don't you go ahead and move to another state where you know no one, where you're going to start an organization from scratch for a community that has no idea who you are. Um, and so in terms of like, you know, managing the variables of change, I decided to like throw that framework out the window and just be like, well, why don't I change every aspect of my life and see if this works? So it's funny that you say sort of right place, right time. In retrospect, I guess it was, but in the moment it was sheer chaos. And finding sometimes that in the chaos, I, I don't know about you, but like chaos is my best friend. Chaos and I get along so well. And I'm sure it has a little bit to do with sort of my neurodivergence and my ADHD brain and things like that. But like, if things are calm, I'm pretty sure something is wrong. Right. <laughs> like- I'm a hundred percent with you. I have this <laughs> paranoia, um, where oh. if things are calm, I'm just like holding my breath, waiting for something bad to happen because mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'd rather be in the midst of trying to create order out of chaos than trying to figure out how not to be nervous with order. Within the order, right? Like if we could just keep that edge of chaos always, it would be okay all exactly. of the time. I love that. And I can feel that in you too. And I, that's <laughs> just, I love having that in common with anybody. Cause I'm like, oh, you get it. You understand why when things are calm, I'm like, somebody stir something up, please, please just create or like, I'll start a new project for no reason because it's too calm. Absolutely. Yep. I, I, I feel you so hard on that one. So tell me about how you got to, um, like, I, like I kind of told you before we started, I love knowing about people's like true history, their, their past yeah. and like how they grew up. Like, tell me about mom, dad, family. Are you, and are you married? Do you have uh, your ex- sort of extended family that direction? And how is any yeah. of that going for you? Absolutely. Um, so I really, I really, I have wonderful parents. My, my father talked about my mother. She's still living. She's amazing. Um, so a little wild though, because I, so my father was a physicist, um, so mm. scientist, uh, very well regarded in his field, so dedicated to the work, really dedicated. And I found this out sort of, um, you know, as, as later in his career, he was so dedicated to mentoring people. And so now that I think about the career I've picked for myself, where I spend a lot of time working with early stage startups, there's, I'm like, ah, this is a genetic predisposition that I'm leveraging right now. And then my mom, um, is, she is the most right brained person that exists. Um, amazing writer. She spent her time professionally as a reference librarian, which was the perfect job for her because she could, she just answered questions for the public. Um, and then, she also um, is an astrologer. So you take oh a physicist dad, a writer, librarian, astrologer, mom, and then you get me. And and when you understand that, you can get why I am like very disciplined, very linear in a lot of ways, but in other ways, I am super creative and I love big ideas. And I'm also sort of woo woo. I feel the energy of the world and that sort of thing. Um, and it's just because I'm a byproduct of two very different people. Um, and so it just feels inevitable. 
And that's a beautiful dichotomy too, isn't it? We try all the time. I talk in my community about being able, well, A, being able to hold two ideas simultaneously, right? Like even if they seem to be opposing, like that's one of the markers of a person who is capable of accomplishing big things is that you can take two ideas and not have them be black and white. There's so much gray. So even if they seem like they're opposing, you can hold those two ideas, but also the dichotomy of everything. And so you're like, I'm very left-brained and I am very right-brained and I can do both. And talking about like the woo side of things and women's ability to lead by intuition. unapologetically and just say, it doesn't matter why I know that this is the best choice right now. I just need you to trust and follow because my gut is not going to be wrong. Um, and how powerful that can be in a world that, like you said, I mean, you've worked for and with men as the woman in that scenario. A lot of times it's, it's difficult to say, but it is also such a strong pulling in our gut to say, this is my intuition and it's correct. Like we don't question it. We're just going to go with what's right. Absolutely. You know what? I, it was funny. I had a conversation last week with somebody who was debating between two people to hire for a job. And I told them what I would do is set five, you know, five pieces of criteria for that role, evaluate each candidate on that role, um, you know, assign a number to each of the, the things that are important to the job. And then I want you to sleep on it. And in the morning, if you feel like the numbers are telling you the right answer, great, you've got your decision. If you feel like the numbers are telling you the wrong answer, great, you've had your decision. But you're almost using like this this artificial science to force the gut to release the answer for you. Uh, right. So I'm a, I'm a full believer in that. I love our producer, Nate, over here is like, mm-hmm. Yes. What she said. That's brilliant. It is brilliant. Uh, we do it with flip a coin. If you only have two options, not because the coin will make the choice because Mm -hmm. when the coin is in the air, you'll know where you want it to land. Right. Like if you're like, if it's heads, it's this, if it's tails, it's this, and you flip it and you want it to be tails, like, well then clearly that's your answer, right? Like go with tails. I I love that so much. And I like that the artificial science, (laughs) we're just going to create a fake objective way to do this, but then really your gut's going to tell you anyway, which is beautiful. Um, so tell, do you have married kids like loving up the single life? Where are you at with any of that? Yeah, I, I, am I'm very quietly married. Um, we got (laughs) married, we've been together for six years. We got married during COVID uh, because, because we were thinking like, we're not getting, we don't know how long this is going to last. We, um, we are not getting younger. And I'm very much an introvert who's never dreamt of their wedding. And I don't like to be the center of attention. So I realized I had this moment where I was like, I am the perfect COVID bride. We got married in our backyard. We um, had his grandmother who was in Florida as our one witness and um, we had our our all of our families, about 200 people total, um, on a on a direct live stream. It was not a Zoom. Don't worry. Um, and so it was one way communication. So I didn't have to as worry about who, what people were saying or anything. Absolutely. In the process, and, yeah. And I'm the type of person where I go to an event and at the end of it, I'm exhausted because mm-hmm. I don't get energy from engaging with people. I had the best wedding ever. It was just so right for us as a couple. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, I, for anybody who is more introverted, um, really take advantage of this moment in time. This is the perfect excuse to say, we're just going to do this itty bitty wedding. Now I feel you. And I, when I got married the first time, my 
we were, there were people insistent on a big party, which is fine. But I got married before I got married in my grandma's living room. I literally just took the justice of the peace in January to my grandma's living room. And we had like five people and it was absolutely beautiful and perfect and amazing. And every once in a while, people will question why I ask about like people's relational stuff in the show. And it's because I want women to understand the see themselves in you sort of thing, like single women, women with kids, divorced women, all of the, all of the variations, right? Like, and that, that doesn't necessarily dictate like being a married woman and running a nonprofit. Right. Pretty awesome. You know what I mean? Like at, at all stages of life, that's totally, totally a thing. Of the 80 members that you have in the collective right now, what are some, what's like one really interesting startup story that you love to tell as far as like what the, what the nonprofit can do, what Embark can do for a small business? That's a a great, it's a great question. Maybe I'll, I'll pepper in just a couple of quick examples because we've, we've been in action, um, in since 2019, we actually opened our physical space in January of 2020. So you can imagine mm. the year I've had has been <laughs> wonderful. Um, but we we we're still alive. So that's beautiful. that's and we doubled in size in terms of the number of startups that we support from oh, pre-pandemic to now. So we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you what, but we're doing something right. Uh, in terms of you know how we have supported, there's all these micro wins where um, we may we we help a company um, figure out. They'll say, I, "I need to raise capital," and you know the response is great. Do you know what you need to raise, and have you mapped that out? And and sometimes the reason why you know if you're not in the my startup orbit, the reason why you need to raise capital before you really have a lot to show for the business is because typically you need to hire people to help you build what that vision is. Mm -hmm. And so that requires a product roadmap. So you know what the technology is that you're building and each of the steps to get to to building a functional initial product um, that's called a minimal viable product. And you need people who are probably smarter than you uh, to bring onto the team and so you've got to outline, like, what does that look like? What does that plan look like? And when you put those things together, um, and sometimes with a marketing plan, you'll be able to identify, like, here's what I need to build. So we're working with companies every day on building out those things. And then from there, when a company is really ready, we'll make introductions to them to warm introductions to really amazing uh, startup funds, venture funds that are around the country. We work with about 140 funds. And so we're mm-hmm. always making direct introductions for the companies that we serve. Some those companies, the venture funds always say yes. Well, they'll take the conversation because they trust the person making the introduction. They know that we wouldn't risk our reputation to give them um, a conversation that was a waste of their time. Beautiful. And so a lot of, so those always convert into a conversation and many times that will uh, convert into further conversations. And uh, in some, okay, some instances, it's not a huge percentage because the odds around venture capital aren't super high. Um, mm-hmm. But we have instances where um, an introduction that we have made has turned into an investor process, uh, an investor in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the big wins that we we get to celebrate. Um, and then the other thing that we really get excited about is just growing teams. We have a talent strategist on our team 
that works with founders on um, designing their organization, building job descriptions, figuring out compensation design. And we do a lot to recruit roles within uh, companies that we serve. And so on a pretty weekly basis, companies are making hires based on um, candidates that we have been able to source for them. So that to me is really exciting because it's just, it's another person that's joining, like believing in your vision and jo- and drinking the Kool-Aid and joining your team. Um, and so it, even I get actually more excited about those wins than I do about capital, even though capital is very important as well. And there, well, and it's all, I mean, it's all important. Yeah. I love that. Like that as a person who has recently taken on a team, all the money in the world would not replace that talent that I get to work with every day. So I, I totally feel you on how that's an important, an important part of what you do. So during, during the pandemic, how did you keep a physical space running? I am so excited to hear like, because you came out on the other side doing well. Yeah. Right. What was that like for you? Um, honestly, if I, if I, I, if I realized what level of stress I was under between March and April, I would, I would be surprised that I'm still going right now. Um, it was, I just think back to the, the middle weekend of March, that was basically in the United States when everything was shutting down. It also happened to be the weekend. I decided to fly from Tampa to Chicago to move my mom out of her childhood home into a new apartment. It was a, it's a 55 plus senior living experience, uh, uh, facility that is, so great. And I'm so happy that she was able to spend the pandemic there. Cause it was it's like, it's independent, like spunky seniors all there doing fun things together. Oh, neat. Um, but I was making a decision, um, trying to evaluate, like there's this COVID thing it's coming from overseas. Is it here? What's happening? And I'm trying to make a decision as I'm like literally hauling boxes into moving trucks and unpacking them. And it was just me and my mom um, on both sides of moving out of the house and into the apartment. Um, And so I'm physically exhausted. I'm mentally just like spent trying to figure out like, oh my God, I'm in charge of 200 people safety at Embark Collective. What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. So we were actually were one of the first organizations to um, to to move to virtual operations um, as of March sixteenth, twenty twenty, and I decided that it was not worth having a single COVID case being associated with Embark Collective, and I was further I was confident because. Uh, the prior year from March, 2019 until January of 2020, we didn't have a physical space. Uh, our 32,000 square foot hub was still under construction. And so in retrospect, all of those construction delays were a total blessing because it allowed my team to get really comfortable with working remotely with the companies that we served. So we knew that we were able to, on a moment's notice, convert back to the way that we were and still support companies. In fact, the hours of coaching for March and April were higher than ever before because everyone is in crisis mode. You need a thought partner to think about like, well, my customer pipeline has gone to zero overnight. 
Um, like what cuts do I need to make? Which people, honestly, do I need to cut from my team? Um, all of those decisions had to be made for, at that point, we were working with just over 40 companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, so it was just, it was crisis mode. I mean, I overnight, I became an expert in PPP, not for myself, but for the companies that we were serving, mm-hmm. connecting them with banks uh, so that, you know, if they didn't have an established bank that could deliver a PPP loan, like helping them figure that out pretty much overnight. I remember one day it was like 2 a.m. and I was just up like trying to just up because I was anxious and we're worlds in a pandemic and everything's in flux. And I just remember I'm like working on PPP stuff for companies that we work with. Um, and I'm like, this is not healthy. Um But I think, you know, from our perspective, the minute we shut down, we really started to do some aggressive work on figuring out how do we reopen. Um, And we had Florida was a very, very different place than other parts of the country during the pandemic. Um, In terms of phased opening, we were qualified to reopen in June of 2020, which any of any of my counterparts in other parts of the country were just like, that's insane. Uh, And so I think a lot of it just was dependent on where we were situated geographically. But when we reopened, we had, uh, we had the local hospital review all of our protocol and do walkthroughs with us to ensure that we had as a sufficiently distanced um, furniture around the space, we had reduced capacities, we had sanitizer everywhere you walk, temperature check, all the things that are normal to us now, but mm-hmm. we're pretty new in June. And so we were the first to close and the, one of the first organizations uh, of, you know, of any that's serving a, a population like ours to reopen. Um, and so we're really proud of that. And we've been proud that we have been able to safely take care of this many people um, through a pandemic while creating normalcy because running a startup is very lonely. And so if you are isolated in your home, a lot of people in their closets in their home, because that's the only place they could find a quiet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, not When you came back to a physical space where there were just adults around you, um, you it was just such a mental health blessing. Um, I experienced that when I came back to work, I was just like, Oh my God, having a commute again is just amazing for my mental health. So, um, yeah, in retrospect, it is probably one of the harder things that I've navigated. I hope it's one of the harder things I ever navigate professionally. Um, but if I have to navigate something that's harder than this, I'll feel pretty resilient because I was able to keep us going and help us double in size in the pandemic. I think that is a phenomenal thing to stop and sit on for a second is that every person who I I love that you work with startups because this is super relevant to them specifically. And our group does a workshop called dream up to startup, uh, a dream up to startup workshop. So if you've been sitting on an idea and you're not really sure where to start, we kind of give you the, here are the basics of how to start, but here's also what you need to think about before you actually jump ship. Right. Um, and so many of them are overwhelmed at the new things that you have to learn. And it's, that's true. Like there are a lot of new things. If you've always worked in corporate or you've always been a stay at home mom, or you've always had a nine to five, something startup world is a whole different culture. Like it's called startup culture for a reason. Like there is a whole nother world that exists within that. And there is a lot to learn. 
The kicker is once you've done the hard thing, that's the only time it will ever be that hard. The next time you go to do said thing or the next time you go to do a hard thing, you can look at it and say, okay, but I've done something that hard. All I can imagine is people who do stuff like climb Mount Everest, right? People who do the like crazy physical, whatever. Once you've done that, like no hike seems hard again. You know what I mean? (laughs) Because in your mind, you can always be like, yeah, but I did Everest. So starting starting a small business sometimes can look like Everest. You can look at it and be like, that's a, that's a, that's a lot. And you're like, it's going to take some training and it's going to take some learning and it's going to take being really good at some things, including like learning how to delegate and who to hire and what your team's going to look like and what the building process looks like and and what my branding is and all of the things. But once you've done it, we rebuilt a website. I think we're on our third rebuild. We've done it twice at this point, like hiring somebody and going, okay, I know exactly what I want. I know it's not functioning. I know it is. I know it works. I know it doesn't. This is what I need it to look like. The first time I was literally just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something would stick. And at this point now I'm like, no, 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 no. We need it here and we need it to do this and we need it to move there. And for SEO reasons, we're going to need this. And for, you know, client safety or client usership, whatever, it's going to need to look like this all the way down the line. Once you've done the hard thing, like if you made it through the pandemic, it's going to be the thing. (laughs) Nothing is going to get you anymore. Everything else is going to be like, oh, that's tough. But it was not like 2020. So not a big deal. (laughs) But I mean, I think about the fact I was so amazed that the startups that we worked with, um, very few actually had to shut down during the pandemic. And I think to me, I, I look at them and I'm thinking like it, they just proved the point that if you can stay in the race, if you can just stay standing, you have not lost. It's really just when you stop that you've, you've said like, Hey, I can't do this anymore. So, um, you know, it's a lot of time. My advice to people is just like, just keep, just keep standing. Like it doesn't even have to be moving fast. You don't have to move at all. Just keep standing. And then they can't count you out. Exactly. It's like boxing, right? As long as you're on your feet, you're fine. Um, we do, um, you can call like, you can run or walk or crawl. Just don't stop. Don't go backwards. Like if just, just don't go backwards, just right where you are or forward. Yeah. Just, just don't stop and go backwards. I love that. That is stupid, accurate. And, and one of those things that, again, I wish I could tattoo on somebody's brain on the front of their body. Cause just keep moving. As long as you're moving, you're fine. I love that. I appreciate you so much, so much. And I loved this interview and I loved getting to know about Embark and sort of your story. And that's phenomenal. Anybody who's in, do you help people outside of Tampa or is it very much centralized to Tampa? You know, the pandemic actually forced us to, it, it didn't force us. It just showed us an opportunity to support more companies outside of Tampa. So we now support companies across Florida. Um, So we had a bunch of companies in Orlando reaching out saying, hey, we don't have that level of support. Could we get help from you? And so, hey, I will follow the customer. So uh, yeah, now we're, we're, we're more focused on the state as a whole. That's absolutely beautiful. So for those of you who are listening in Florida, if you're in startup phase or you know anybody who is or wants to be, definitely look up the Embark Collective. It is a phenomenal resource, especially this nonprofit resource that you can go to and utilize. Um, I know that Lakshmi would love to have you and at least have a conversation about what that looks like for you. Um, For everybody else who's listening, I hope you got something out of her story and you can see yourself in her because she's an amazing human, um, but also an ordinary human doing extraordinary things, which you are also perfectly capable of. 
uh, she is going to hang out with me and have a little chat with our inner circle. And we're going to end this interview for now. If you want to be a member of the inner circle so that you can get some of the brilliance that she's about to drop with us for the next few minutes, you can join at powerhousepod.co. And if you want to hear any of our older episodes, that's another great place to do that. Or you can take the quiz on where to find your best customer. So if you're a startup company listening, we've got some inside information for you. So thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.